you have your Bibles, uh, find Genesis 15, verse 1, that we read a little bit earlier. I'm using the King James Version translation this morning because it's a little bit different. I usually use the English Standard Version, but I think the King James Version or the New International Version has hit the right notes here. The King James says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. After these things, or, or after this, these events of chapter 14, which we looked at last week, what happened in chapter 14? Well, if you remember, uh, Abraham's nephew Lot had been kidnapped by raiders marauders from the northern end of Israel. They had come down and captured Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot, Abraham's nephew, had moved to Sodom. So he was there when these robbers came in. And they captured him and, and kidnapped him and his family and took the people of Sodom and captive and took them up north as slaves. When Abraham had heard this, he got his uh, community of armed men together and they went up and confronted them, defeated them in battle and brought back Lot and the, and the captives of Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, king of Sodom came out he gave him all the people and all the property that he had taken in battle uh, king of Jerusalem Melchizedek of the high priest he came out and got and Abraham gave him a tithe of all the, the goods that he had captured um, <clears throat> so he had two things going on in his mind as chapter 15 opens one is that he was afraid of the fear of those guys up north that he had just went up there and confronted and killed a bunch of them and brought back all the spoils of war. Now, what's going to keep them from regrouping and coming down and hitting Abraham whenever he wasn't thinking about it? So he's afraid. He's also kind of broke at this point because he gave everything he won in the victory. It cost him a lot to get up there. Everything he, he won and captured, he gave back to the king of Sodom, according to chapter 14, plus he tithed what was left to Melchizedek, the high priest of Jerusalem. So he doesn't have a reward. So God comes to him and he says, Abraham... <coughs> First of all, fear not, I'm your shield. 
I'll protect you from those things. And second of all, I know you tithed. I know you gave everything back. Well, I'm your reward. An exceeding great reward. That's the context. God promises Abraham three things which I hope you will make these promises yours today first he says I will be your shield I'll protect you second he says I'll be your reward and third he says I'll be an exceeding great one. <laughs> Amen. I mean, if God's your reward, it's got to be exceeding great for reward if you'll get it. So let's take these three quickly. Number one, God promises He will be our shield. That is, He will protect us. Sometimes we put too much confidence in blue cross, blue shield. I've known a lot of men who died with a blue cross, blue shield in their billfold. God says, I will be your shield. We had to go for a short period of time uh, the, when the church was small and smaller and, and uh, we were poorer and I couldn't afford it and church couldn't afford it so we had to go without health insurance. And uh, I, I was fearful and it seemed like during that time that the Lord whispered to me, you don't, have, you don't need health insurance when you have good health. <laughs> and that's what he gave me all through that period. And you know, when it came time and we got health insurance, I thought, you know, I don't trust that. This is dangerous time. Because <laughs> now I have health insurance. I don't know, just a messed up way of thinking. I realize that, but that, that was just my thought process. But God was my shield. In Job chapter 1, verse 10, he says, Have you, Satan wanted to get at Job, and, and God said, have you, have you seen how righteous Job is, how excellent? And Satan said, uh, Job 1, verse 10, Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all he has and you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased see God can do that put a hedge around you and your house and your car and your children and your possessions and all that you have now God permitted he did lift that hedge with limits for a brief period the book of Job is not his whole life. That's just a brief period in his life. And God can do that only to sift and, and mature and grow your faith. So God can do that. But, but essentially and summarily, we would say, God puts a hedge around you. So God tells Abraham, don't fear those guys from up north. I'm your sheep. Number two, God promises to be his reward. 
So I gave everything back. It was theirs. I did the right thing. I even tithed. What do I get out of this? And God says, you get a reward. And Abraham's like, really? What's my reward? <laughs> and God says, I'm your reward. Oh, poor Abraham. All he gets is God. <laughs> Amen. Come on now. I'm telling you. That's the way we look at it. What do I get? What profit is there if I serve God? I'll tell you what you get. You get the Lord. Is that a good deal or not? <laughs> We're like the Levites in Deuteronomy 10:9, where God said, Out of the twelve tribes, one of them will serve me at the tabernacle. Levi, Deuteronomy 10:9 says, has no portion, no land, no inheritance with his brother. The Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord says. The Lord is his inheritance. He's the reward. Others get cars and houses and lands and fame and fortune. And you get, wait for it, God. <laughs> Do I sense a little disappointment in here? God promises to be his reward, but here's number three. God promises to be an exceedingly great reward. Now that's the part we miss. Here is an adverb with an adjective. Now, if you're a grammarian, you can feel free to correct me. I wish you would. Uh, not right now, but... Uh, after the sermon, but a, the reward is the noun. Great reward is the adjective. And exceedingly great is the adverb with the adjective. So this is a way of saying that it's excessive. Uh, an adverb doesn't just modify the adjective, but it intensifies and energizes and enlivens and quickens the adjective. So the word great is the adjective, but exceedingly great is an adverb which just comes in and throws gas on the fire. That's the kind of reward that God is to us. It's the same word used in Genesis 7, 19, uh, describing the flood in Noah's day. The waters prevailed exceedingly. Same Hebrew word. They went up and up, and they came down and down, and they 
the oceans broke open and the deep swelled up until it just overwhelmed everything. God is an exceeding, overwhelming, gushing, flooding fountain that is wonderfully great reward. So, how is God, I mean, how can we say he's an exceeding great reward? Why would he say that? And let me give you a few things here to ponder. First, he's an exceeding great reward because he's a deeply satisfying. I mean down in the core, down to the DNA of your soul. You just take a breath and you experience God's presence in your life. That, that's what I mean right there. That's water to the thirsty soul. That's bread to the hungry. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, If you love money, you will not be satisfied with money. Maybe you get more money, you got a better job, have a better income. You spend more. You worry more. And you get some money in the bank, you want more money in the bank. Get more money in the bank, you want some more money in the bank. And you don't get it. (laughs) He that loves money will not be satisfied with money. It's going to leave you disappointed. Somebody said money is like a bird. It has wings. It flies away. Right? It says bye-bye. But God is a reward that is deeply satisfying. Number two, God is an inexhaustible reward. His energy and power and presence is an ocean that when you've done the most appropriation of it, when you've received the most you've ever had, it's a thimble out of an ocean. It's an inexhaustible reward. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the sinner, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary or tired. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. Even the youth shall be exhausted. But no matter what age you are, you come to God and you imbibe of His creative energy and power and you mount up. You're strengthened and renewed 
to those who know God. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Number three, he's an exceeding great reward, not only because he's satisfying and inexhaustible, but also because he's indestructible. He's an indestructible reward. If you put these together, a new car, a new house, a new motorcycle, a new boat, there's one word that you have to write over all of those. Maintenance. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maintenance. Insurance. You never have to write over our God maintenance. <laughs> this is a reward that is indestructible. I had a cousin I used to play with a lot. She was, she was a little older than me. But I used to go down, and, and she was old enough to date, so, so sometimes I'd be down there when her boyfriend would come over. And when I was 10 or 12, I was kind of annoying as a kid. <laughs> and so I'd go down there, and uh, she'd be there with her boyfriend, and she'd you know, try to get rid of me. And so he drove a Corvette. And uh, so I, he had gone inside. I was outside in the driveway looking at his Corvette. And I don't know why I did. I just got up and sat on the hood. And, <laughs> you know, those are expensive cars. I did not know they're made out of fiberglass. And he saw me through the kitchen window, and he ran out there. He said, get off my car. I wonder, I don't like him. <laughs> but it, if you have, these things have to be protected because they're destructible. I was at the hospital the other day and, and uh, had to park a distance away, and and I saw, it looked like, a, I don't know if it was like a Lamborghini or something like that. And they had, instead of pulling in, they had parked sideways. Because <laughs> they don't want their door dinged. Even in relationships, you ever heard this description? He's high maintenance. Or she's high maintenance. God, our God is an exceeding great reward because He's indestructible. He doesn't get lonely and pout if you don't spend time with Him. You're the loser on that, not Him. He's not high maintenance reward. He's our great God, our Father through Jesus Christ, the infinite and eternal Lord of heaven and earth. And to have Him is to have something and someone that there's no reward comparable. He 
he's an exceeding great reward because he's indestructible. Number four, he's an exceeding great reward because he's omnipresent. He's an omnipresent reward. That is, he's always, everywhere, present. In uh, around 450 or so B.C., 450 years before Christ, a Persian king named Cyrus captured Babylon, and they... Babylon had captured the, the Jews and taken them to Babylon, modern-day Iraq. And now Cyrus had captured Babylon, and they were all leaving the city before Cyrus got there, and, and they had their, all their goods on the backs of their donkeys. And Isaiah the prophet mocks the idolatry because they had their idols on top of their donkeys carrying their idols away from Babylon before the Persians got there. You read this in Isaiah 46 verse 1. Their idols are on their beasts and livestock. They are born like burdens on weary beasts. They the beasts stoop and bow down. They cannot save the burden. The, the donkeys were stooping. They were stumbling because of the weight of the idol that was on top. They could not save the burden. And then Isaiah says, Isaiah 46, 3, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, the remnant of the house of Israel. You have been born by me, from before your birth. You were born by me. You were carried from the womb by me. And even to your old age and gray hair, I will carry you. I have made you. I will bear you. I will carry you. I will save you. Get the picture there. The idolaters who had these gods that they were trying to rescue, they were trying to save them, so they were trying to carry them out of the city because they're not going to walk. And Isaiah says, look at yourselves. Do you see how different is your God? Listen to me, he says, you remnant of the house of Israel. You were born by me. I've been carrying you. I don't know about you folks, but I'd rather have a God that carries me than a God that I have to carry. I want a God that can rescue me, not a God that I have to rescue. If I have to save him, then he's in trouble. And God says, I have carried you from the womb. And even into your old age, I will carry you. And there's a word for you this morning. If you belong to God and God is your reward, I want you to know that God has not only been carrying you, 
He will carry you till you have gray hair all the way from the womb to the tomb. God upholds you, strengthens you, carries you, saves you, bears you. You do not have to put him on a donkey and lead him out of town, but he has put you on his shoulders and brought you back to the Father's house. Glory to God. Glory to God. Remember Jesus put the sheep, the lost sheep on his shoulders, brought him back, rejoicing all the while. And I have this word for you. He's an exceeding great reward because he's omnipresent. He's never going to leave you. You cannot leave him behind. You don't have to carry him so he's with you like the pagan gods. He's an exceeding great reward because he's an omnipresent reward. Hebrews 13.5 Be content with what you have because he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Here's a fifth reason he's an exceeding great reward. It's because he is an incomprehensible reward. Incomprehensible. You can't comprehend him. Psalm 145 verse 3. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation has to praise his works to another and declare his mighty acts. One generation is not enough to praise him and declare his mighty acts. It takes another generation, then another one, and then another one. God is such an exceeding great reward that it takes more than a generation to praise him adequately and describe his glory. You have to have generation after generation after generation to describe his glory. That's why we have above the fountain out here a picture of our, of our new building we're hoping to build. And uh, you can see it on the way out. It's right above the drinking fountain. It's, and, and it's called, raising money for this, it's called Project 145 because it's taken from Psalm 145. It takes one generation to the next to praise him. His greatness is unsearchable. You can't say that about money because you can count it. It's comprehendable. You can't say it about land or acreage because you can measure it. You can't say it about gold because you can weigh it. But you can say it about God because His greatness cannot be counted. His glory cannot be measured. And His love cannot be weighed it is an incomprehensible reward when you have God. Philippians 4, 7, he gives peace that passes understanding. Romans eleven thirty three. how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. 
You can explore the Bible and study theology and worship at his feet and ask for enlightenment. And when you've done it all, and when you've lived your life like that, and you come to the end, you know hardly anything about the glory of this God of heaven. He's incomprehensible. You cannot comprehend him. The best we can do is to look to Jesus Christ who expresses his image perfectly. That's the best we can do. So to say, I will be your exceeding great reward. Wait a minute. What? You will be my reward? My shield and my reward? My exceeding great reward? One more, and I could go on with this, but I'll give you one more. He's a necessary reward. You can lose that car, uh, that career, your health, even your marriage. You can make it. I had a guy who come years ago. He was so distraught. His wife had told him she wanted a divorce. He was planning to leave. <clears throat> and I was his last resort. So we sat down and talked. And as he, I could tell he was, it was just desperate for him. And I said, brother, listen. You can make it without your wife. If you have God. But I said, you cannot make it with your wife if you don't have God. He's the necessary element, He's the required quotient in this thing of life. He's a necess necessary reward. Because I want to tell you, you're not going to make it unless God is your reward and you view him as exceedingly great reward. So I want to say something to you. Hold everything and everyone just a bit loosely bit loosely because sooner or later you have to give them back to the God who gave them even if it's a husband or a wife either by death or divorce you have to give them back to God so hold everything you cherish a little bit loosely but with your God have an iron grip upon him and his word, his son and his church. 
Let it be a death grip. I can let everything go, but not my God. That's the one thing I cannot live without. Because he's he's a satisfying reward. He's an inexhaustible reward. He's an indestructible reward. He's an omnipresent reward. He's an incomprehensible reward. He's a necessary reward. Oh, he's an exceeding great reward. hymn writer said do you ask what great thing I know (laughs) what is it delights and stirs me so what's the high reward that I win who's the name that I glory in. Tis Jesus Christ, the crucified. See, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. If you want to have God as your exceeding great reward, like a laser beam goes straight to Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Colossians 2 9 says, In him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in a human body. It's all there in Jesus. That exceeding great reward is deposited in Jesus the Messiah born of Nazareth, dying on the cross. That's where you find God. Well, I don't know how to help you beyond that. Except you pray to God. God, help me. Be my exceeding great reward forevermore. Time to tithe. (laughs) Do you have to tithe? No. You're not buying God. It's not the mafia. You're not paying him off. (laughs) Do you want to tithe? Then do it. You should. You have an exceeding great reward. So a 10% offered from your check is what God suggested as an expression of faith and love and appreciation to Him. Let's pray together. Holy Father, minister by your Holy Spirit to the hearts of hurting people today. Put your arms around them. Hmm. 
envelop them, embrace them with your presence. Help them experience you this morning. And to see what an amazing thing it is that you would be our exceeding and great Praise your name, O oh Jesus. Amen.